Everybody, welcome to Stock Bites for Thursday, August 12th. We have a great show for you today. I interviewed David Nasser, who is a med student in Boston. But in his free time, he's a Robinhood trader, and he's figured out a profitable way to play earnings seasons, uh, earnings season through option strategies. So we're going to talk about that, how to avoid the implied volatility crush that happens after earnings. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Let's see, a couple of updates here. Next week, we have some great interviews planned. We're going to play stock golf with a former financial advisor who's turned energy trader. And we're also going to talk to a data data programmer who works at a private equity firm. Uh, and as always, we'll check in with Trey and see how his week in the market has been. Make sure you like and subscribe, rate and review wherever you get our podcast. Follow us on Twitter at stock underscore bytes. And you can always email us at stockbytespodcast at gmail.com. Let's get it. I had a baby. You did? I yes. had no idea. Yeah, there's a wow. There's a George the Fourth now who's Oh my gosh. George. <laughs> George the Fourth. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Do you know that? How old? Did you just how how old? He's four months old. Oh wow, wow, that's so cool. It's crazy. Congrats. He's starting to grab at stuff now. Uh, yeah, yep. You know, his that's eyes right. are getting like big and open, and it's. Can he sit up yet? With assistance. Yeah, I think like once they turn around, like, I only know because I just had my final. Like around six months old, they should start like sitting up on their own and stuff and it's pretty cool pretty big yeah six months i think they start to eat regular human yeah. food yeah you know, maybe that's insane man food. that's great yeah yeah george the fourth uh was the king of england after george the third funny enough but america won our independence from king george the third and he was the king for like th- fucking 30 40 years over there uh, yeah, his, his son was just a fat piece of shit <laughs> and had the gout. He had all these mistresses. He was um, not fiscally responsible. And he was king for like 10 years. Very, very forgettable uh, king. So we got, we got to do a Dang, only 10 years. That's not that's not very, very long. Well, he was like 40 or 45 when he became king because his dad ruled for so long. Uh, and then he was overweight and had health issues and, and died pretty quickly after that. Yeah. Anyway, what's up with you, man? What's, uh, what's the good news in Boston? Uh, I guess some really good news is the virus is somewhat under control here more than it is around the country. So I think, How do you mean? What a- so like in Boston or in Massachusetts, the state, like, uh, I think there's they're keeping it under or around 200 cases per day, new cases. But, um, you know, around like Texas, where we're from, uh, the average is like over a thousand cases, new cases per day. Yeah. So it's yeah. So it's um they got it somewhat more under control here. So that's some good news. But, so are you are restaurants and bars open? I think. Yes, they are. I think a lot of restaurants are open, but it's still mostly takeout. But one thing that's different here than in Houston is a lot of restaurants, they have outdoor seating. So you can eat and stuff like a 
kind of have the same restaurant experience, but you really want to want to do that in Houston because it's like August and yeah. I don't think you could eat outside in a parking lot yeah. in the middle of August. But like here it's, it's possible. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to order the, the steak uh, rare and just put it on the table and it'll cook itself, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or put it on the hood of your car. You'll get a nice sear. Well, dude, I, I think that, did you guys lock down at the same time as New York? And did y'all have the uh, surge in cases at the same time as New York? I think we we might have actually had case the surge before New York because I remember, I think it was back in March. There was a, or, yeah, it was March. Late March, there was a Biogen conference at one of the Marriott hotels in Boston. And that was the first like super spreader event. I think they had over 200 cases just from that event alone. Um, but in hindsight, I think that kind of worked out for the better because it made Massachusetts take the outbreak more seriously and put more measures in place earlier on during the pandemic. So yeah. even though it was worse at the beginning, now it's better. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, everybody went into lockdown at once, which didn't, that shouldn't have happened. I think if we had a, a redo on this, you would, you know, lock down New York, Boston, I think Seattle uh, had an outbreak at the very beginning as well. I think they're one of the first people who got it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the first few cases. But, you know, we didn't, at that time, there was 20 cases in Texas, but we still went into yeah. lockdown anyway. And by we the did. time, you know, people have people were at their wits end with just staying inside and not being able to, to work or whatever, we started coming back out. And that's when the virus got here. So maybe yeah. some sort of next time, uh, <laughs> next time there's a global yeah. pandemic, you know. Yeah, it could have, rolling. it definitely could have been handled better. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Well, then, and, you know, uh, like. Sorry to interrupt you there. Let's, what, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying like some things about masks, like early on, there were policies in America saying that, you know, masks don't work, but it seems like they do, but not in the way people think. Like if you're wearing a mask, it won't necessarily protect you, but it will protect other people. Yeah. So then prevent the spread. Or just like wearing a diaper. You can can pee, but it just goes on yourself, right? You know, it doesn't go. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't get on anyone else, which is the important part. Exactly. (laughs) Let's talk options, man. All right. Educate yeah, so here. let me So do you you're familiar with um like the, the two types of options, like the very calls basics like calls and puts. Yes. Got that. Um so a call is basically in a nutshell, it's an agreement between I guess you could say two people, the person selling it and then the person buying it. And it's the right but not the obligation to buy a stock at a certain price and the put is the same thing except it's the obligation to sell something at a certain price by a certain time they expire eventually um so yeah i kind of right you think the stock's going to go up if you you think the stock's going to go up yeah you buy a put yes or um vice versa you could you could do the opposite if you think a, a stock's going down you can sell a call Right. And then you hope that, you know, the stock doesn't go 
above your strike price by the time your option expires. And then you get to keep all the premium that you sold your option for to whoever bought it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can, you can buy and sell, you can combine these options into spreads is what you call them, like credit spreads or debit spreads to and, either and make spread, it. Is that when you, the, the way the credit spread, you're, you're selling and buying a call and yes. And the way that it works out is the call that you sell. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The call that you buy costs more, right? So you have money going out the door at the beginning. That's a credit spread. No, no. So a credit spread is when you, you sell, let's say you're, um, you sell a call for $50 and then you would buy a call that's further out of the money for like, I don't know, $45, let's say, then you pocket $5 in premium. And the reason you would do a credit spread like that, um, is to protect yourself from, uh, like, you know, if, the call if the price of your whatever stock these options are for just goes through the roof and then you know then you have to that call is probably going to get exercised and then you'll lose your stock but if you if you protect yourself by buying a call a little bit further out of the money you can cap your losses yeah so stocks traded at 45 i want to sell a call with a 50 dollar strike price so if the stock rises above 50 Whoever I sold the call to is going to exercise it and buy this. You know, I have to deliver the stock at 50. Maybe it's worth yes. 52. So I'm losing money. Well, or it could, it could potentially be unlimited your losses yeah. if you're selling a naked call. Cause it can go a stock could theoretically go to infinity. Right. So, and then but yeah, the, if you're selling, if you're selling covered calls, you'd have to hand over your calls for what less than it's worth on the open market. So that would really hurt. But, yeah, and I think that people can use covered calls. You know, if uh, you know Invesco is trading at ten dollars, and I have a price target on it at fifteen, I can sell a call, pick up some income while I'm waiting for the stock to appreciate. If it does hit fifteen, it gets called away. Boom! My my price target is hit. I'm out of the stock. And if it doesn't, then I just you know made a little income on the side while while we wait. Yes, that's right, but. The you're talking about uh, just like a you you're talking about just selling a covered call. Yeah. But the problem the problem with that is that you're taking on a lot of risk for very little profit comparably to your risk. It would be like there's an expression like selling contracts without you know limiting your risk is like picking up pennies in front of a train because mm-hmm. you know most of the time you'll get out of the way I guess but then eventually one trade goes bad and all the profits from your previous trade could be wiped out in one bad trade. So, but why, why would that be, why would I be taking, if I'm selling a covered call, what's my risk that the stock, if you're selling shoots up from 10 to a hundred and I've missed out on the, the run. Oh, I'm sorry. I I thought you were talking about selling like a naked call, but yeah, if you're selling a covered call, I guess you just lose your, your stocks. Yeah. I don't do uh, how popular are naked calls? It seems like a, first of all, it seems like, I think you have to get, isn't that like the, another level of options clearance that you have to get with Robin Yes, Hood? it is. Just go, all right, you can start doing this and take unlimited risk. You have to, you know, well, the problem with Robin, <laughs> the problem with Robin Hood is that it, it asks you questions about like to gauge, like how much you know about options, but you can obviously lie to them 
an unlock. I think it's like level three uh, options trading. And a lot of people do that. I know online uh, people have lost. I've seen like the the pictures of how much they've lost selling covered calls, like hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> because they, they, well, they shouldn't have access to those at the first place, but you know, they, they lie and they think it's fun and then, uh, you know, they lose everything. Yeah. So, but I, I was honest with Robin hood, so I don't have covered or, uh, naked calls unlocked. Probably yeah, I don't okay. trust myself. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> what kind of, so, um, what, what kind of options do you typically play? What's your strategy and how successful so have you been? Kind of my strategy at first is like, I first heard about Robin hood, um, from some friends and I said, maybe I'll look into this. And I guess stocks were just too slow moving for me. So I wanted something better. And, you know, I remembered something, um, when I was a kid, you know, you know, that movie trading places with like, uh, is that a Hugh Grant think, movie? It might be, but you know, it's like, it's like they get a really poor guy, like, and then they have him switch places with like a really rich, stock trader or something then they like kind of find out that they're both being yeah it's eddie murphy and another guy yeah well at the end of the movie well i don't know how many of your viewers i'm about to spoil this for but at the end of the movie they use options basically to get back at the people who switched them and that kind of clicked i'm like hold on this sounds like fun this sounds like a really interesting thing i could do so i kind of you know did some research I learned the basics about calls and puts. So then I started buying um, calls hey, is how uh, I started. Where did you do your research? And how much Not did you research? Do? Well, um, I just Googled what a call was. And then I Googled what a put was. Uh, I understood that. And I was like, okay, so basically I just have to buy this call and then hope my it goes above my strike price and then I can exercise it. And then I can just turn around and sell those shares I bought for a discount on the open market for a profit. Um, what I didn't think about at first was is I would need the capital to actually exercise the contract. Yeah. So then the contracts are for a hundred shares. Yes, they are. So I quickly realized I couldn't sell, I couldn't exercise my contract. So then I'm like, how do I get rid of this thing? So then I realized, of course, and I'm stupid. I should have known this before I got involved is I can sell the contract itself mm -hmm. to another person, which is what I did. And I made some money off that. Um, off my first trade and that trade was with a company called Amarin and it's a pharmaceutical company and I am in NP school. So I knew about their flagship drug called Vicepa and it's a drug. It's kind of like fish oil, but it's really good at lowering triglycerides. And I was talking to my colleagues and also, you know, some doctors and stuff at the place I was doing clinicals at. And we all agreed that this drug really, really works. So I kind of had that research for that drug already done. I didn't really need to look up any more information about it. So I looked up and I saw Amarin was the person that owned this drug, the company. And I basically saw that their earnings were coming up. And I said, okay, I'm going to buy a call on these earnings. And my hope was that the price of the contract that would, you know, like I bought, I think I bought the contract for like $7 and then I sold it for $145. Okay. 
so that was an extremely sizable, but it was only one contract, but it was an extremely sizable profit either way. And then I was just hooked after yeah, that. That was, that was your first one too? Yep. That was my first options trade ever. And it was just a single call. And I knew their earnings would probably be good. Um, but I didn't want to hold beyond earnings because of something called IV crush. Um, yeah, explain that to me. So it has to do with kind of how the, the way that options are valued. So there's some of the ways that options are valued are called the Greeks. And I'll talk about those later. But the one I'm talking about now is implied volatility. So implied volatility, it kind of represents the uh, expect the ex, uh, the expected volatility of a stock over the life of the option, if that makes sense. So it, it's kind of it, it is it's kind of like um, how vol it's just basically how volatile stocks going to be. Now stocks or uh, options have a certain sensitivity to this volatility, um, which is one of the Greeks called uh, Vega. So, and they're all named after like Greek letters, like Delta, Gamma, Theta. Um, but Vega is the one that's important here. And the more, it's the market saying, we expect over the life of this contract for this stock to be, you know, to, to have some sort of standard deviation of performance. Yes. As, uh, some sort of plus or minus and for options i think irregardless of if, if it's a call or a put the higher the volatility of the underlying stock the more value the option has is that right yes and but options they do not all have the same vega uh value i guess or vega number because some options will be more sensitive to this implied volatility than others um, I don't know how to calculate that myself. Most brokers and apps will do that for you. Yeah. Um, but so basically with, uh, Amarin, there was a very high implied volatility on the contract that I bought, but I bought it before this happened. So basically I bought it for $7. The IV started increasing once we started getting towards earnings and that inflated the premium on my option, which I then sold to someone else. Now, did the, um, did the stock price get closer to your exercise or, or, or your, yeah, your strike? It actually, price? it actually did not. It did not. But the, the, like the hype around Amarin and this drug, it was so much that even my very far out of the money option call, my call increased in value just because of IV. And what happened afterwards is once the earnings call happened, all that hype went away basically, and IV went down, and so did the value of that contract. Does, so is the this, key is this the same the for every company out there coming up to earnings report? You know, or, it's very it is very common before an earnings report that the IV will spike, and okay. you'll get a inflation of your options value and then you can take advantage of that and it's 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 i don't want to say it's predictable but it gives it gives me a date to center my play around 
that I can work with. So I know if I know I know earnings call is going to come out some sometime in two weeks, I'll buy an option beforehand. And then I'll ride the IV spike up, sell it before earnings so I can avoid IV crush. Like maybe I'm missing out on some profit, but you know, if I'm making like 120, 150% profit, I'm going to take that and uh, walk away. And who cares? You know, if it makes yeah. a little bit more money, I'm happy. So, so do you, do you, when, when you go to buy your option to initiate the position, do you check the Vega of the option? Yeah, I, I do look. I do look at the Vega, and then yeah. I look at the implied volatility too. And you know, I'll look at the other Greeks as well. But it's, I'm not like a math whiz or anything. I just know kind of the basics about them to kind of to get a gist of how the option's going to move in its value based upon the underlying security, like the stock. So, is there a sweet spot for for Vega that you're looking at when you're initiating positions? There, look, I'm not going to get in if it's over X Y Z number. Yes, yeah, I do want to get in early before Vega and IV, before my my option becomes more sensitive to IV. I want to get in because then I can, you know, the premiums are super cheap on these contracts, and then you know, once it starts going up, that's my source of money, my source of profit. And how far out past earnings are you dating the expiration? So I am dating um, maybe a, like a week or two after earnings comes out. So then I can avoid uh, you know, time decay on my option, theta decay, which is, yeah, it basically an option's value will um, decrease over time as you get closer to your expiration date. Unless it's at the money or in the money, then it won't deviate as much. So kind of like that. Yeah. If we haven't lost everybody already, I think we're getting pretty. Yeah. Close. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm being super clear about it, but no, you are. It's just, this is very complicated. So I'm sitting for, yeah, it is. I'm sitting for level three of the CFA sometime, uh, maybe December, maybe next May. But yeah, one of the 12 subjects is options and how to value them using the black Scholes model. And yep. Yeah. Stuff that we're talking about. And I've gone, I've, Past level one, I failed level two the first time I took it. I came back and passed <laughs> level two, and I've already gotten through level three's curriculum. And I still don't understand this shit. It's still <laughs> like, I, I feel like, um, you know, if you're ever, if, if you ever trying to learn a foreign language as an older person, you know, if, before you talk, you have to, you have to think about, all right. I'm going to say the sentence in English in my brain, and then I'm going to convert it to Spanish. Yes, then, yes. By that time, they're the people who you're talking to. They're a whole paragraph ahead in the conversation than where you were when you formulated this thought. And I, I feel that same way when I'm talking about options. And I've, you know, I I like you. My first option trade was a success. That was a very bad omen for me because I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I got this. I didn't know any of this, <laughs> this stuff and ended up losing some money on them. And since then, yeah. I've stayed away just because I don't fully understand it. So how do you yeah. um, how do you pick the companies that you're going to place your trades on? Well, if I'm if I'm doing the if I'm trade if I'm if I'm kind of doing the strategy I was talking about before, like buying a call before earnings. It's really, I don't know if this sounds like dumb, but it's really about how much hype is around these earnings. How much 
people, how, how excited that? people are. How do you gauge that? Honestly, the internet. I'll read any articles I can find online about the company. Like I know Amarin, well, Amarin was a little different because I knew like, I think if, if people aren't in the medical field, I knew a little bit more about the drug yeah. than other people would have. And a lot of people may have not even heard about Vicepa, but I did. So I kind of was able to get in a little earlier, perhaps. But, you know, like there's a lot of hype around Rocket right now. I think you talked about it in your last podcast. Yeah. Um, and. Had a tough two days since I talked about it and since I bought yeah, it. Yeah, but, but people, people are still hyped about it. And I heard people talking about like it's kind of a dip right now. And it still should be valued, but I need to look into it more. But I know that there's a lot of hype around this stock. And I think Robinhood just released. You can now trade officially trade options on Rocket. Yes, today, I think you can. And the premiums are insane on for these options because I think there's and that I think that has to do with implied volatility. Lots of people want them because it just happened. You know, so that's going to increase the premiums. So maybe I'll wait until they go down a little bit more. I don't know when they release earnings or anything like that. But Is there a level of implied? So you, you said before that you have a target implied volatility or a target theta. Yeah. The right one? No, Vega. A target Vega when you're getting in. Um, let's you know just take Rocket Mortgage, for example, that has high premiums right now, high implied volatility. Is it harder to profit on a call or with with a company or with a stock or with an option, I guess, that has a high uh, Vega? Um, well, Vega is, Vega is just, it's not, it's Vega isn't the volatility. It's the sensitivity of that option to volatility. And um, in terms of making money using the strategy I was doing, uh, it's it's hard to make money once the implied volatility is already very high yeah. because that's my way up. I need to get in earlier. So maybe if the implied volatility is around like 40 or 50%, I could stand to make money. There's room to go up. But in that Ameren trade, I remember I bought the contract. I think the implied volatility was somewhere in the 30s or 40s. By the time I sold it, the implied volatility was like 140%. So there was an insane implied volatility. And I forgot what the Vega was on it, but my option was very sensitive to that volatility. So once that implied volatility started spiking up, so did the value of my option because of the Vega on it. Yeah, I'm looking right here. It actually, it actually will tell you what the implied volatility is. Oh, are you looking at Robinhood? I have a Weeble account. I don't have a Robinhood account anymore. Does Weeble have commissions? No. Okay. It's confusing. Their user interface is not anywhere close to as sexy or as addicting as Robinhood's is. Oh, I know. That's like Robinhood. They deserve a round of applause for their uh, UI. But um, yeah. So what stocks? What stocks are you looking at? You know, I'm actually. Um, that, that's a good question. I, I bought. Over the last three days, I've bought Rocket, I've bought Dow Chemical, and I bought AT&T. And Why AT&T? Because it 
paying a 7% dividend. And oh, okay. AT&T, it doesn't, it, it seems to have this pretty strong resistance level at $30 a share, which it was trading at for a lot of last year. I think it got up to somewhere in the high 40s before COVID and then fell back down and has been, you know, has stayed at this $30 a share range. So I feel pretty comfortable that I have a nice floor. I feel pretty comfortable that their streaming service is, is going to succeed. Um, and then obviously you have 5G, you know, all the, the new phones coming out. Um, and look, cable is still a moneymaker for them. So I think that they're, they have a ton of different revenue streams and then mm. growth potential. And then on top of that, you know, hell man, 7% dividend just to- <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> and, you know, I know that I don't have a ton of downside because it's right at this, at, right at this $30 floor. True. And yeah, that, that's, that's my thinking on it. Do you, what do you think? Well, to be honest, I, I, I really don't know because <laughs> all I, I've never really traded stocks, only options. Yeah. So, it, but, um, probably very low implied volatility on AT&T. Yes. <laughs> on AT&T. Your strategy. <laughs> Well, then I would have to, maybe when their earnings come out, I'll buy a call for AT&T for the premiums cheap enough. Um, but you know, another strategy I've been looking into since I finished um, my finals for the summer semester, and I finally have like a little time to, you know, do some more research and learning is like um, playing, same thing, like playing earnings, but selling credit spreads because you can take advantage of IV crush as well. So you would, you know, you can open a credit spread and then you wait, you, you would open a credit spread. How do you do that? What are the two legs so, of a credit spread? So uh, if, if you're, if you're opening a credit spread, a credit, a call credit spread. This is what we talked about at the beginning, right? Yes. So you, you buy like you'd buy, or you would sell the, call at a certain price and then you'd go a little bit more out of the money and then you'd buy that call as protection Got it. and you would hope that the price of the stock goes down so you don't have to your call isn't exercised um, what you can do uh you know perhaps right after earnings like let's say a company doesn't do as well or for whatever reason the price of the uh, stock goes down after earnings. If you sold a a call credit spread before earnings, when when premiums were really high because of implied volatility, you would collect a lot of premium, and then it tanks. The stock tanks, hopefully in this scenario, to a lower level, and you can close your spread uh, for a cheap price or let it expire. Mm -hmm depending on when, you know, your risk and all that. So I think I might try and start doing that. So, and when you do that, you have a defined, well, let me ask you this. Would you buy the hundred shares of the underlying stock first, just to make sure you're not naked or just because the way that the credit spread is structured, and let's just say, you know, we buy the, we sell the call at $40 and we buy it 45, right? No, no, no. You'd sell the call you'd sell the call for $45 and then you'd buy a call farther out of the money for cheaper. 
Right. So 45 and 50. If the stock's priced at, you know, stock's priced at 40, I could sell a call with a strike price at $45. And I could buy a yes. call with a strike price at $50. Yes. Yes, you could. Right? Yes. So I have essentially, and it's each contract is for 100 shares. That's right. There's a $5 difference, which means I have a, if, if the stock does go up to $50, yeah. I have $500 of risk, right? My, my $5 spread times 100. It's the difference between your uh, strikes. Right. So, so it, yeah, it caps, it caps your losses. Yeah, so you don't need like to have the 100 shares of the underlying to, to limit your risk while you're doing this because you have the- No, the, you, you would not. You would not need to own the um, shares themselves. Because like Robin, like when you, when you open the call credit spread, you're selling, you're selling the, uh, the option, the call, and then you're buying one with a higher strike price. And then that's a, um, a spread. And then, you know, if, if let's say it just, it just goes to infinity, your losses are only five bucks. Cause you're able to exercise your $50 yes. call to re right. I got you. And yes. I see, I see the same thing that happens to me when I try to speak Spanish, you know, your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to like, you're, I can see your brain working. It's happening yeah. right now, man. This, this shit is confusing. <laughs> it is confusing. Yeah. You have to be really careful. Oh, man. <laughs> else... And there, yeah, it's one day you'll, we'll both get to the point where, you know, it's, we're fluent in advanced economic concept and theory. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we will. Definitely not there yet. Oh, no way. Yeah. And I'm probably going to stick with buying one or two contracts at a time. So I don't, you know, risk too much. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. When, you know, earnings season, I guess earnings happen every quarter and they'll typically last for a couple of weeks, right? So yeah, yeah. it's not like earnings happen every day of the year for, you know, for a company. Yeah, they do. They don't. They, they don't kind of cluster together. So do you, do you, when it's not earnings season, what are you doing? I am, when it's not earnings season, I will take advantage of theta decay and I will start selling contracts. Like either I would sell covered calls or I'd sell puts or sell or, um, you know, stuff like that. And then basically hope that if they do not get exercised and I can keep the premium. Yeah. Um, because you know, a lot, a lot of times, I guess you have to choose your stocks. Well, for this, you have to choose a stock that typically just trades sideways. There isn't much movement up or down in between earnings seasons. Um, but I haven't, this is what I want to do. I haven't done it yet. So I need to find some stocks that would be good for that. But yeah, basically I'm just, I would be collecting premium. So I, I would be AT and T, which is basically <laughs> traded yeah. between. So it's low is twenty six dollars and seventy seven cents on March twenty third. It's high since then was thirty three dollars and twenty three cents. Today it closed at thirty dollars and eighteen cents, and it's it's basically been at thirty dollars since June eleventh for the last month. So I could be selling um, puts, you know, out of the money from the low of AT&T, but they would have to be cash covered puts. So what was the price? Like 20 something 
then you multiply that times a hundred and that's the money that you would need to start selling cash covered puts. And then you'd only be collecting maybe like, I don't know how much the options are valued at the premium, but maybe like a hundred bucks per contract. So yeah. you, you really wouldn't be making that much, but I think it's the returns are much more regular than earning season. Let's go back to the, the credit spread real quick. I'm, I'm really interested by this. We interviewed a market technician who looks at charts and goes, you know, I'm going to put my Fibonacci ratios up on the chart and yeah. I can, he can look at a chart and go, look, you have 40 points of upside and five points of downside, right? 40 bucks up, 10 bucks down. And he has this clearly defined risk and reward spectrum. Um, for a stock that he's going to play, and he goes, if it, you know, if it goes below my five dollar downside risk, I'm I'm out, and we'll just move on to the next thing. It seems to me that it, that's kind of the same language as a cover as a credit call spread, the credit spread, the credit spread. Yes, right. Where you you can clearly define, and you know, in our example, you had five hundred dollars of risk. What? Yes. What sort of I don't know if you've ever done one of those before, but like if I'm taking a $500 risk, how much am I getting rewarded for that? So like in $500 only your max loss, it's, it's right. possible that you could lose less than that. Right. Your profit. I don't know. It would be like, I don't know, probably a, a couple hundred bucks because that's if, um, yeah, because you're cutting, you're cutting into your premium, that you're obtaining from selling that option by buying an option as protection, basically. So you might, I guess it would, it would really depend on the stock and also like the difference between strikes, like the option values, you probably stand to like, in that scenario, you could, you could make maybe like 50 or a hundred dollars instead of making 200 dollars and premium but you're buying the protection mm -hmm. which i think is worth it <laughs> i think it's totally worth it yeah it's it seems like the i guess if you're doing it on the right stock you you're, you're gonna know that like 500 bucks is my max but max loss but this thing doesn't move or it has a certain percentage chance of hitting for me but it seems like something where you know, like this Steve Straza was talking about, I, I have 40 points of upside and five points of down, you know, the, the risk reward ratio there is better. Yes. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm talking this out with you in my head. Right yeah. Good. I, yeah. It's, it's when, all complicated. When earnings season is coming up, how do you, you're saying that you, you're trying to gauge investor sentiment and you're Googling what's the most talked about, thing you know do you have a bucket of stocks that you look at or how do you figure out do you just google most talked about stocks for earnings season or how do you figure that or out? i i will i will look up the earnings season and see which companies are coming up and then i'll look through those companies and see the news around each company like um i'll kind of think about you know like how much they're going to make like and you can i don't know like look at like like how they how they make money, you know, how much debt they have, you know, like where their money's coming from. Is it from like products or is it from advertising or is it from whatever? And then kind of gauge that 
to see, and then also take into account what other people think earnings is going to be. Because since I'm selling before earnings, I really don't care what happens after earnings if I'm selling before it in my first strategy. Do you have it's a, all it's all about the hype. Do you have a specific market cap that you like to play? Nope. No market cap. Just anything. All right, so as I'm long gonna, as it has options. Let me work this out with you. I just Googled upcoming earnings and it brought me to Seeking Alpha. And dude, there's a shit ton of companies that have earnings coming out tomorrow. And I've heard of uh, approximately zero of them. <laughs> right? So in a situation like this, you know, would you go through and find a company that you're actually sure like that you've heard of before? Or would you just start like, all right, you know, um, I guess let's get to, uh, let's see if we can find some two weeks from now. Does, do we have any? I'll just do the, I'll do the first one on the list. I'll look it up, see what's going on about it. Yeah. Like what they do, like, uh, what people are saying about the earnings, you know? Yeah, but, because, but you have to be in a stock that's big enough to actually have earnings estimates. Yes, that that's true. And then, I mean, also a stock has to have enough volume too, like options, trading volume and stuff for you to really, for it to work. Do you have a screener that you look at? Do you use Finviz or, or something like that? No, I don't. It's like, it's all internet. <laughs> it's all internet research, like Google. I know it sounds crazy, but... <laughs> Kind of, you know, if a company's if a company's huge, uh, you know, and, and if they're on Robinhood, I'll kind of look at, you know, how much volume they have and stuff, and like, you know, what the what the price is. Because also, if if the stock price is too high, then the premiums on the options will probably be too expensive for me. Yeah. Too so. Amazing, man. I, I, got, I need to study implied volatility more. I'm just looking at, you know, you said, pull up the first one on the list. KMDA, they released uh, earnings this morning. They missed by four cents uh, on, on an EPS uh, earnings per share. But if you look at them over the last, you know, over the last five days, so obviously the stock gaps down from 850 to 810 today. Okay. Uh, they released earnings pre-market. But if you look over the last five days, the stock has been in the, in the downtrend basically since August 6th. So the middle of the last week, it's been trending lower. So there were, there was no, uh, there probably wasn't any spike in IV then there wasn't any run up till earnings. Right. So how do you figure so, out which one of them? That's the key, right? You, yeah. You, you got to go, figure out which, who, yeah, the last, uh, the last article written about this company on Seeking Alpha was July 22nd. Nobody gave a shit that earnings were coming out, right? So you got to find something that's popular. Um, Rocket Mortgage is probably a pretty interesting one. It's been volatile enough. And I think, yeah, it's only been public for a week. And there's already six articles on Seeking Alpha and a bunch of different PR releases. I kind of... I, I hazard to say this, but like it, it, I guess like, like the fundamentals of the company doesn't matter. Yeah. It all that matters is like, uh, you know, the, 
the demand basically for these contracts. And I, you know, if even if a terrible company is hyped up, like, you know, that stock Nikola. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrible company. Absolutely terrible. But I mean, the IV on these contracts are insane sometimes yeah. like around earnings and stuff, even though they're a terrible company, but there's their second quarter earnings was like $36,000. Yeah. And it was from the owner, right? They installed solar panels at a board member's it's, house. It's ridiculous. Look, with, with Nicola, uh, they came to market with everybody knowing that they're not going to have any revenue until 2022, maybe the end of 2021, if they get this um, battery, BEV, battery electric vehicle that they're producing with Iveco over in Europe. Right? It's like a, a short range uh, battery powered semi truck. Yeah. But they don't have any revenue, right? So the volatility in a company like that is going to be out of this world. It's the, the stock price is only based on market sentiment. There's no, yes, exactly. There's no earnings to, to fall back on. There's no dividend. Yeah. It's just, which oh, is a hope and a prayer. And thankfully it's an opportunity. Them, it's an opportunity to make money if you, if yeah. you can do it right. Right. So for a company like Nicola, you're, you're saying, you know, two or three weeks before earnings, go out and buy the call yeah. for buy the call. volatility. Damn, I should have talked to you before they released their earnings. And then ride up, ride up the run up till earnings. And then um, I, pro I personally would not hold through earnings. Oh, yeah. uh, it, got, it got smashed on earnings. Yeah. Cause imagine, imagine if you were holding that call, through earnings, hoping for a miracle or something, you would have lost all your profit. You probably, in fact, you you might have, like, not just only lost your profit. Your call would have probably been worth less than what you bought it for two weeks right. earlier. Right. Yeah. So it's important, yeah, not to hold through earnings, <laughs> unless unless you're like unless you know you you maybe know something that most people don't know. That'll be a surprise, but how often do you know that? All right, so Nicola's next earnings date is November 4th. So let's see, November 4th, two weeks before then, looking at my calendar here. Dude, they have an, an EPS, for, they announced on August 4th, they announced uh, earnings per share of negative 33 cents. They missed <laughs> by negative 19, they missed the, the analyst estimate by 19 cents, which assumes that, well, hell, I guess that's still negative, right? They were just more negative than people thought they would be. Yes, I know. It's so funny. Uh, they're estimating, uh, estimating $36,000 of revenue for the third quarter for Nicola. And this is a company, what's their market cap? I, it, I, don't, I just can't help but laugh whenever I, I hear about Nicola, Market cap. That's insane. So I guess if their next earnings is coming out November 4th, I'm going to look at buying a call or, or something around like the 21st or even the 14th way before, mm -hmm. you know, for the right price. But that's a few months away from now. We'll see what the hype is like. If the hype is still there, I'm definitely going to buy a call and then sell it before earnings. 
That's yeah. They have two thirds of the market cap of Ford, who produces the number one selling vehicle in the country. And Wait, are you so, kidding me? No. What? That's not, crazy. There's the size of Ford. Uh, Ford's next oh earnings are October 27th. All right. But do you think people will be excited for Ford? For their earnings? Yeah. When are they releasing the Bronco? That is true. They're coming out with the Bronco, and then they also have their their Mustang, their uh, the Mach E, I think it's called, or something like that. They're all electric Mustang, so maybe that will generate some hype. Mach E comes out in the fourth quarter. Comes out in the fourth quarter. Well, maybe they'll release some news about something special about it, like oh, we can actually make it for cheaper or something. And then, uh, I think that uh, well, first of all, when you type in Ford Bronco release date, the top thing that shows up here is Ford has moved the Bronco reveal date to July, to July 13th after realizing that the original date coincided with OJ Simpson's birthday. <laughs> How did they miss that? Somebody had to get fired over that, man. <laughs> oh my God. How did they miss that? <laughs> you know, like, uh, the most infamous uh, version, you know, the, the most infamous news story around our Bronco. Let's release the the, the, the new Bronco on that date. That's good. That's the only reason I know about the Bronco. I mean, I'm 24. Like, I wasn't... Yeah. When did that happen with OJ when he was running away in a Bronco? Shit, that's... I think it was before I was born. Early 90s? Yeah, so I was born in 1996. The only time I've ever seen a Bronco is actually in that video. That's the only oh, way I know about the Bronco. Well, hell, they said it, they originally said the, the original Bronco would be delivered in April. Um, so that might be something to look at. Maybe that'll generate hype. Started. But the first deliveries are still on for late spring 2021. So, but they do have reservations out. So, and it did come out that they, you know, they sold out all the reservation spots. And um, I don't know, that, that, that might be an interesting one. I don't People have been buying cars, right? Yeah. I mean, they're still selling vehicles. I don't know if that's the, that's the best company for you. Nikola, there's going to be a ton of, ton of movement leading up to earnings. Yeah. It, it's like, it's almost like meme stocks. Yeah. Basically. That's what, that's what you need. Nikola. Um, Even Rocket could potentially, you know, move an insane amount before earnings. Dude, I really um, think that that company, if you're, you know, if you have a buy and hold IRA, just buy that thing and don't look at it. And I do, I do have an IRA actually, <laughs> but they, um, they did more business. They had more revenue in the second quarter of this year during the pandemic than they did in all of last year. So why do you think people are still buying houses? Like well, in a pandemic. Because you got to stay in your house now. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think it's because like people, people might think that because everyone's losing their jobs, they can't afford to buy a house right now. But what about all those people that want to, you know, maybe there's concern about widespread inflation and they want somewhere safe to park their money, which yeah. would be real estate. So I wonder, maybe that's why we're still seeing a ton of people buy houses. 
I think it'd also be but, interesting to see what percentage of the unemployed people are renters. Oh yeah, that's a good right. You know, all these people who are losing their jobs. I don't know if they're homeowners to begin with, and very true. So what the you know the Fed has come out since the pandemic and lowered interest rates to zero to twenty five basis points. They're as low as you can go. The yeah mortgage rates keep hitting lower and lower numbers. So it's cheaper than ever in terms of the cost of your money to go buy a house. Combine that with you've had to stay inside your house for the last three months and you're, you know, I can see how like, fuck this. I need to, I need to find a better house. If I'm going to have to be <laughs> normal. And now uh, would be the time to do it. Yeah. Houses are, I guess, yeah, in the middle of a downturn, economic downturn. I think, um, you know, I was looking, I was looking into the company more actually after listening to your last podcast. Um, and you know, I've never bought a house before. I'm only 24, but I'm assuming like the process of buying a house is not fun. Like there, it takes a long time. There's like closing fees. Like it can take months, right? Yeah. To buy a house. But with rocket mortgages, it seems like it's a much quicker process with them. If, if that's, if I'm, if I researched it correctly, And as a company, the more mortgages that you can, you know, uh, process, I guess, or complete, the more money you make, correct? So like if normally it takes a mortgage like a year to work out all the details before you get it, if Rocket Mortgages can do five in the time that you've done one, then that's really efficient as a company. So And and so their biggest competitors are banks and the Fannie Mae, Freddie Macs of the world. So, so bank, like banks and the government, two things that are not exactly like technically savvy and efficient, right? And so we, we might be seeing like the digitization of mortgages with right. Rocket Mortgage. Exactly. They're, they're so, super aware of that. They've, they've dumped a ton of money into creating this sleek, you know, interface. It's, machine learning algorithms and all that source. Oh, by the way, speaking of machine learning, you were talking to me about, you're looking at people's codes. Yes. It was like a, it was an algorithm someone made on, uh, Reddit. And I think, uh, it was called, they nicknamed it retard bot. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I, I like it. I laugh when I heard that. Retard bot. Yeah. And, what it does basically is, I don't know, you know, I was looking at their code, but I'm not a coder, so I don't fully under, understand it. But the gist of what it does is it takes data from all the tickers in Robinhood and all of them. Like, I don't know how many there are, but there are a ton of them. And it gets all that data and it looks at stocks whose options contracts, like the volume of the options contracts being bought and sold has increased by 10 standard or has moved by 10 standard deviations um, per day for three days in a row. And then it'll give it a bullish or bearish assessment or probability of that stock going up or down. Would you have so, to take that algorithm? I have no idea how this would be done, but would you have to install that on your computer or run that on your by yourself? Or is this public information? You can just go look at the data that the algorithm is producing. I think it is on a website now. You can go on a website 
and it, the bot is run on the website and then has its listings. But, you know, I wouldn't dump my life savings into something like this because, you know, it's just some random guy that wrote this program. Uh, but I think, you know, I've looked at the, because um, they, they will release their predictions, you know, weekly, like they'll give four stocks that have like a really high chance of taking off or a really high chance of uh, tanking. And then you can check on it later, the predictions. And I've been checking on it and it's, it looks like it's right about, you know, like 70% of the time, the uh, bot. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I think it, it, it predicted this one company called uh, Purple, Purple Mattresses, yeah, like a mattress company. Uh -huh, they're a competitor for, uh, for Casper, which I have, and I actually like, uh, I love my Casper mattress. Yeah, well, this thing, I think this thing predicted purple. Like it, it just, I don't know how it knew. I guess the, you know, move, movement of 10, of 10 standard deviations for three days in a row, like that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's something interesting that people are doing. Um, but, you know, I bet Wall Street has algorithms that are ex way more advanced than a random guy's algorithm. Yeah, so Robinhood is going to stop releasing its appy data for free to RobinTrack, which is where everybody gets all their information from about what uh, people on Robinhood yeah. are buying. Uh, and there, so people on Wall Street are, are already taking the data and creating their algorithms about and trying to figure out how to play against Robinhood people. And doing <laughs> yes. the same thing, right? Like yes. how to profit off uh, this Robinhood data. And what... What Robinhood is doing by making, they see an opportunity to make money with selling their data. So there's a, why would they release it for free when they can make money on it? Sure. But the only people that are going to have access to it now are the big institutional players. So this, you know, this guy on Wall Street Bets may have come up with a great algorithm that helps people, and, but that's, that's gone now. It's just another advantage to the, the big institutional players. Yeah. Anyway, so you're on Wall Street bets right now. <laughs> no, I was just looking. Uh, I typed in retard bot. On, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad it took you there. On Google and uh, dude, there's a whole. This is a giant post. Apparently, it got banned. The the, the algorithm oh, got yeah. banned, and this guy got uh, muted on Wall Street bets because they thought it was a, a, a scam. And well, there and there have been a back. few. There have been a few bots posted there. I might have confused the names, but yeah, retard bot was one of them, and there have been a couple more whose names I forget. I think retard bot had like three iterations, three versions that came out. <laughs> how, how do you see the algorithm? I how think the guy here, it might not have been retard bot then, it might've been another bot, but the guy he released the code on GitHub ah. and you could go view it there um, if you wanted. Okay. But yeah, Wall Street bets. Is that your first time being on there? No, no, no. Oh no. God, it's it is so funny. It is so so funny. It makes me it makes me hurt inside a little bit. <laughs> especially, dude. Especially when I got into I played options for a couple of months. Like I said, I hit it big in the beginning, and then just pissed it all away. And during that time, like most people are posting lost porn. 
Yeah. There's some gigantic winners, you know, people posting oh, like, yeah. dollar account balances and shit like that. And it would just make me feel so sad and lonely. It's <laughs> <laughs> like not good for my mental health. Yeah. Like wall street bets generated, I don't know how many millionaires on Tesla's last huge rally, like all those Tesla millionaires. Yeah. And it does hurt. Yeah, yeah. it does a little bit. Yeah. But actually, the, the reason that I started this podcast, I, I stopped, I unsubscribed to Wall Street Bets. This is not good for my mental health or for my bank account. And I'm, you know, I, uh, I'm in like the subreddit for penny stocks and the subreddit for securities and investing. Mm-hmm. And it's in those. So Wall Street Bets is all about options. And, and but it's in these other yeah. subreddits that these pump and dump schemes happen. Yeah. And just, I would read these posts about people blindly taking somebody's advice to get into whatever company, you know, Boxel or, uh, you know, Neil or KTOB or any of these, you know, these things that have been manipulated. They have a couple of PR news pieces that are coming out that make them look legitimate, you know, and people get in and, and the people who are actually pumping the stock sell out, boom, and they make the Yeah, money. pump and dump. Rinse and repeat. So the whole idea for this was let's try to educate people about the shit that they're buying. Yeah. You have to, you have to do some of your own research. Yeah. And I don't say you have to fully understand it, but you have to, you have to get to the point where you know what you don't know. Because if you, if you go in and you don't know what you don't know, you could be in a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. with some of these options. Yeah. And I think I'm at the point where I don't know, or I, I'm at the point where I know what I don't know. So oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So expand your game into, uh, you know, covered call, covered credit spreads and, and, uh, naked puts. You'll learn yep. a whole Naked put or cash covered puts. There I'm going to do cash covered puts first. David, I'm, I'm but, ready. This was a lot of fun. What I'd like to do is make you a recurring guest and sure. You're, if you have time, either maybe it would be, I don't know if it'd be more interesting uh, two or three weeks before earnings, if you want to talk about the, the plays that you're eyeing, or after earnings, or both, you know, talk about the- See how it went, setup, yeah. <laughs> and then check back in with you afterwards to see how it went. I think that'd be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Definitely. All right, Definitely. Buddy, well, thank you. Yes, thanks for having me on. I It was awesome. Shoes got a red dress on. Gonna light the fuse, stay out till dawn. Whistle blows at the factory downtown. He changes his clothes, he's gonna paint the town. Avenues of light.